Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Snatch Podcast. I am Latoya and we are joined by obviously my fabulous, my amazing Cody, Co everything. Cody. Everything. You yeah. are in the house. <laughs> hello, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I hope you have enjoyed, or we hope you've enjoyed the first two episodes that we've released so far of uh, Noir, Black and Back Again. Um, And so today we're focusing on part three of Blood, Water and Everything in Between. So if you haven't had time to catch Mm -hmm. up with the other two, please do, because it just comes into a nice sequence when we get to this episode. So today we're going to be focusing on the very touchy, I think, um, Mm -hmm. area of families. So how families tie into the Black experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've got two hosts here, one from a Caribbean background, one from an African background. So it's going to be very interesting to see how our experiences within our families, if there's crossover in terms of yeah. our, our blackness. Um, sure. And I think families is quite an interesting topic because um, I always say blackness is not a monolith. So every black household is different, but I think there's always commonalities that you can sort of be like, yep, my mum was like this. My dad was like that. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's going to be very interesting to discuss this episode. And I'm really hoping that, you know, everyone listening, um, if you're not following our socials, to continue the conversation post-episode, uh, yeah. snatch.podcast on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, follow us on or listen to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to email us with some feedback, you're, we're always here. Contact at snatchpodcast.com. Com. So, without further ado, you are, we're we're going to roll right into it and uh, okay. start talking about just kind of a quick overview. What what is how do you think the relationship you have as a black man mm-hmm. ties in with the relationships that you've had with your family? How's that kind of influenced you growing up, and how's that influenced like subsequent relationships you have outside of your home, friendship, and otherwise? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know what, I think it's, uh, it's, I think just to make the disclaimer, like, you know, I think in this episode, I'll probably share um, some details and some personal stories around my family. Mm. I think that, and again, I'm just going off the cuff. I think there's potentially similarities with some of our listeners' families as well. I think just to put it out there, I think my family can be, has been quite dysfunctional. Mm. Um, There has been very, there's quite uh, um, interesting dynamic that I obviously have within my family. Um, And I feel, um, you know, and some Sometimes, you know, I'm a son. My mum's only got one son. She's got two kids, my sister and me. But I think over time, I've had to adopt the role as father, son, husband. So it's quite difficult. Mm. um, And it has made a massive strain in terms of actually how I view what my position is within families. Mm. I think uh, by me at a young age, um, and just to give you some background stories, some of our listeners, um, uh, my sister um, has bipolar schizophrenia. Um, So from a very young age, like, you know, her kids with played an active part in their upbringing. Mm. Um, And, you know, my eldest niece, I've kind of had to be both dad um, and brother, mm. um, as well as uncle at the same time. So I feel from a very young age, I've had 
to adopt quite a few roles within my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been quite hard, if I'm honest, um, because I don't know that I haven't had necessarily a role model for my own father to understand actually what does being a strong black man in a family look mm-hmm. like. I've got other relatives and other families, um, family members who are, uh, you know, the, the family unit is together. You've got the husband, the wife, the kids, etc. But I only see them or interact with them like maybe like, you know, once a year due to like family um, events and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's been quite difficult to understand and be comfortable in the space and the positions that I hold and equally be able to know and know if I'm doing the right job mm-hmm. or not. Um, I think that's definitely um, influenced how I have, uh, as I said, viewed myself mm-hmm. as well as um, potentially how I viewed others as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a little bit frustrating sometimes as well because I'm just like, I never asked for these roles. <laughs> yeah. I never asked for these roles. I'm only a son. So why do I need to do this? Why do I need mm-hmm. to do that? Um, and that's been probably has played a massive uh, that's had a massive impact on actually, I would say I'm being be really brutally honest. We're just going to get straight into it and be yeah, open and vulnerable here. That's played a massive part and it's impacted uh, my mental health, my struggle mm-hmm. with anxiety, uh, my struggle with a bit of depression as mm-hmm. well uh, over the years. And I don't necessarily think I am the only person or only black guy that's gone through that. I think I've got quite a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, my boys, shout out to my boys. Um, I think all of them in every way, shape or form have gone through that. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Carl, Leon and Nase. Uh, <laughs> that's in some way, shape or form have gone through mm-hmm. that. Um, and maybe it's just the generic male experience almost second generation black male experience Mm. if if that if if that makes sense um so I would say yeah it's really opened up my eyes as to uh the struggles that um I have had in regards to the roles that I've played in families and actually how I operate with family members also Mm. and the relationships has definitely put a strain on the relationships I have with my mum I would say with my sister I would say with my nieces, mm-hmm. my nephew, etc. So, yeah, I know that was very long winded. No, kind of like we just went straight yeah, in yeah, there for sure. Straight in, straight in there. I mean, yeah. What follow? Have you got what follow up questions? Did that make it sense? It did make actually? sense. Yeah, there's a lot of relatability to that as well. Like it made a lot of sense. I think it's going to be interesting as we explore this episode, the male experience. So you talk, touched on yeah. the black male experience and not having the father figure, the impact that's possibly had on you. That's going to yeah. be interesting to explore as we get deeper, deeper than this. De- even more deeper. Even more deeper. Only six, seven minutes in and we're already, <laughs> we're already there. <laughs> but what about for you? So same oh, question, like, but to you. Mine is dysfunction upon dysfunction. Despite, I think, I think I project an image of stability, maybe quite assured, you know, but I think um, I've become very good at uh, masking family dysfunction and the impact that it's had on me growing up and as an adult in my day-to-day life. I'm very good at putting on the mask. So it doesn't really, it might not necessarily, people might not necessarily see visually the impact that it's had on me or the way that interacts with others. 
but I know inside how much impact it's had because uh, I've mentioned in previous seasons about uh, my dad is not in my life, uh, hasn't been in my life since I was three, um, wasn't yeah. a very nice person, not been around. So I've not had that male figure. And I think mm. also um, having a step parent, listen, I went to a predominantly black secondary school and most and, and college, most of my friends are black. You know, I have obviously friends from other groups, but most of them are black. And I think maybe I'm the only one, I think I'm the only one whose parents mm. were not, have not stayed together during mm. their teenagehood into adulthood um, and stayed married. Like I I'm, I grew up already and I, w- I always felt a bit embarrassed. I was embarrassed that I had a step parent. I was embarrassed that I didn't have a dad. I didn't notice really. Um, I always people always laugh, but I didn't know I didn't have a dad. I didn't know people had two parents. I went to school, um, you know, and I had my mum as me and my sister at that point. And I didn't know people had a mum and dad because I just had mum all the time. So then when I as you start to get older, you're like, oh people have two parents you're desperate for like a dad to say you've got a dad too my mum remarried I would say my relationship with my stepdad is very fractured I wouldn't say it's it's in a positive space I am I tolerate I'll put it like that the situation but I am not Mm. comfortable with it um and that has definitely had an impact on relationship with my 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 siblings that are um, mm. his children with my mum um, impact on the relationship that 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 has an impact on the relationship with my mum and how she manages the relationship between us as sisters which is it's quite fractured to be quite honest with you mm. it's not very it's not very easy and so often I feel quite jealous actually when I know of people who've got their parents together like you grew up mm. that is such a nice thing and and, and also I'm African so in African culture, your parents stay together, even if through shit and thin, they go, they stay together. Basically, I'm replacing thick and thin. Shit and thin, they mm. stay together. That's kids out of wedlock, family in another country or another village. You keep going, you stay together, you keep the family together. So I was often a bit, you know, you know, Father's Day, for example, was always been very triggering for me. I find it so triggering. I find it so triggering. You know, I feel so. Oh, not so much anymore, but I think there was days when I just felt so upset that I just didn't have the strong African dad who was my mm. protector. And I think that had an impact on me in that I became, you know, like you said, you, your, your dad, your brother, your uncle, your everything. Mm. I just became, or I have just, I feel that I am, I try to be everything in one in terms of like so independent I can do everything myself I don't rely on others I don't rely on others because I have seen what happens to women in my family when they do rely on you know men in their lives and they're let down so and that has had a massive impact on me in the way that I view myself as a black woman that you know that that kind of thing when we talk about black women have to be so strong sometimes that is that comes from the family home it comes from mm. where you know <laughs> eldest daughter syndrome and shout out to all the eldest daughters second mums we have to take on like so much as well as 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 the eldest daughter as we're automatically second mum in the house and that's not my mum was not putting on me that on me but it was a lot so I think um I would say just just like yourself I wouldn't say it's necessarily had an impact on two I wouldn't say has necessarily had an impact massively on how I am with others, but in terms of my mental health 
and how I yeah. viewed myself for sure massively yeah. I had to go through a very long round round of therapy in my I say mid-20s actually early to mid-20s to really get down to the crux of what is it that's stopping me from living authentically as myself because I felt like a robot mm. really um which is horrible <laughs> so yeah God, we've gone deep how many minutes in are we now <laughs> Uh, we're coming up to 12. <laughs> I've got a long way to go. <laughs> no, but you, you, it's true. It's true what you say in terms of if interesting. And I know we'll get into a bit of like the cultural differences yeah. between African and definitely Jamaican culture or Caribbean culture, mm. I'd say, but I'm only going to talk from a Jamaican sure. perspective. And um, there is definitely a different culture uh, there because I think, you know, you're saying around like, you know, with your parents, you stick together through shit and thin. Mm. Whereas in, I think in Jamaican culture, if the relationship brought down, the relationship brought down, mm-hmm. like that, that's it I do feel that there has been and again like I'm not saying I'm making a generalization I know it shouldn't be I shouldn't make this generalization because I think actually we do have a lot of um negative messaging in the media around black couples Mm. and actually absent fathers right however I would say that I don't for me personally I don't feel and I'm going on the experience for my aunties my mum I'm going to experience for my nan once a relationship is broken down the women in my family who are all Jamaican have been very much you know what if that's your life you go about your business but you know what this is what I'm gonna do mm. that's it they've been very um they, they're not afraid to cut the cord yeah. from the husband or cut the cord from the partner they're not afraid to do that mm-hmm. um and I say that from experience from seeing my aunties and my mum and my nan go through that with my with, with my granddad, I use that in quotes because we might get into it in another uh, episode uh, uh, with my with my with my granddad. Um, so yeah, that's just interesting about kind of that culture yeah, difference. Yeah. But I know we'll explore that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But you are right in terms of you know what it does take a massive toll on like your mental health and you're constantly feeling you know what I can't even strive. I'm trying to strive to be the best version of myself for myself, mm-hmm. but I need to strive to be the best version of myself for others for other family Mm -hmm. members because I need to lead the way and pave the Mm -hmm. way and that's a lot of pressure on you as an individual because if you haven't necessarily had those active role models in your life that are able to support you on that Mm -hmm. you've got to navigate through it yourself and then equally you're you're carrying the pressure of the load and the expectation of yourself Mm -hmm. but then equally your family equally your community at the same time Mm -hmm. so it is very very difficult and I completely empathize with you when it came to kind of like father's day I think father's day for me I've always been a bit like oh okay, you know it is what it is yeah. day in it like I think you know the relationship between when my dad broke down at a very early mm-hmm. age I would say probably about 12 um you know so when it came to father's day he didn't really get no father's day card mm-hmm. because I didn't get no birthday card I didn't go. get no birthday cards so you know what I give the energy that I was receiving yeah. um I think, but mum's always been, I've always celebrated Mother's Day yeah. and then, you know, given her a shout out on Father's Day because actually she's had to be both, mm. like, you know. So, yeah, it's, I, I can empathise with you in terms yeah. of it's been, uh, having the absence father is a lot. Yeah. And it, at times it does make you feel like, shit, God. Damn. But like, yeah, <laughs> damn, literally, damn. Uh, <laughs> Woo! <laughs> straight, straight in there. In there. Right in there. Oh God. So we're going to talk a little bit about, um, this is obviously slightly our generalizations, but how we think uh, black families operate in mm-hmm. comparison to our white and Asian peers. 
Yeah. What What do you think are the okay? What growing up, right? Because this is this is going to yeah. be the one. When you were like yeah. 12, 13, how did yeah. you think your household differed to your white and Asian schoolmates? What What did you think were like the fundamental differences? You're like, damn, it's different in their house. Or like, let's just say stereotypes because they might not actually be true. Yeah. What did you think yeah. at that age? I think for me, I think the biggest thing, and I know it sounds really basic, but they had dinner together. Mm. They had dinner together as a family unit, like my white peers and my Asian peers who have gone to their houses. They, there was a time when the family came together and they had dinner. They sat around the table and they had dinner and they spoke. I think that was different in my household. Mm-hmm. Um, and although it's a basic thing, but it really it has so much impact like you know for that one moment in time everyone's got busy lives people at school mum's at work dad's at work like people doing after school activities etc etc but at seven o'clock irrespective of what's happening you come to the table you sit down you have dinner no phones or there was phones on the table whatever like that I think that was the biggest thing I think mm-hmm. that um I feel that um, the difference sometimes has been that they were very good at concealing the fractures or the cracks within mm. the relationship. Whereas, and I think if you were to come to uh, uh, my house or a friend's house or a black peer's friend's house, it would just be, um, it, 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 I think we wouldn't be able to hide it. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I think, I think we'll put on the face a little bit, but I think everyone will be able to kind of like feel it. Um, I do think they're a little bit more, uh, what's the word? Um, probably conservative in comparison mm. to uh, to black families where there's always loud, like laughter, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So I think off the top of my head, that what I would, that's what I would say would be the, the, the differences yeah. for um, white and, and Asian peers in comparison to the other ones. So, yeah. See, uh, I mean, I don't uh, know if that made sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, but you know what? In my, oh, maybe it's just the area I grew up in. I had, like, yeah. I always thought that, like, the white friends I had and the families that I went to visit sometimes for, like, dinner and stuff. Like, yes, you're right. They did often have dinner together. Though we did have dinner together, actually. Yeah. No, we did have dinner together. We didn't have a formal dining table, but we would all sit when we'd cook dinner and we all sit down and eat. But um, I felt like they were allowed to play out. They were allowed to, like, they come knocking on your door on a Saturday. Should I come play out? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm not allowed. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 In my end, it was like, yeah, they were allowed to play out like an all day, like all yeah. day. They could be out from 10 a.m. and they're home at 7 p.m. Whereas my mom was like, you better be back in two hours. Ma- like, Max, and where are you going? Um, you know, they always had money for sweets and shit. I was like, oh. I can't, I just, I don't, <laughs> like, I'm not getting money for sweets. Like, even to yeah. ask the ice cream van, but there's ice cream in the freezer. Why didn't you go to the ice cream van? Like, it was like, I felt it was quite, <laughs> they were quite free. Um, yeah. You know, some of the really, like, naughty ones, but then I can say the same for black kids, to be honest, like, being rude to their parents. I was like, oh, you're allowed to, like, swear. Like, yeah. and also things like, um, I guess because my family didn't smoke, and, and we don't really have smokers in our in our household, but I was quite shocked seeing like parents smoking in front of their kids, like young kids, which I know it's like now I'm an adult. I'm like, no, that happens. People smoke in front of their kids. Yeah. But when I was like 12, I was like, wow. Like, not that I'm just like, wow, your mom like smokes in front of you. Like, it's like, 
that's interesting. So it's like really, relaxed. it's very relaxed. Um, yeah. With my Asian people that I knew, I thought we thought they they were more strict, even more strict than like what I thought my household was. That they weren't mm. allowed to go out or not allowed to definitely not have to pay out. You definitely never really went round to their house for dinner or anything. Like it seemed very, they seemed much more insular. Yeah, together. together. Whereas like, yeah. I think the African and Caribbean kids was, there's more similarity than the Asian kids. And I talk East Asian and um, obviously places like India, Pakistan, like Chinese children, for example. Yes. Very well behaved. I always thought they did really well. They're very academic. Thinking people in my class. Mm. Um, and then same with Asian kids as well, like Indian, Pakistan, they all were really, really smart. Um, mm. And then, yeah, I just was just there like, Oh wow. Other people like they're loud. Like, I'm African. We're not allowed to do that. Yeah. You're allowed to have like, you're having pasta for dinner? Hey! What, pasta? Pasta? Pasta was only introduced in my house. house. Shout out, mum. Was only introduced after food technology. Miss Beard, shout out to Martin's High School for Girls. When we we made our uh, food technology dishes, right? Because every yeah. Saturday, mum makes, and still to this day, every Saturday, mum makes jollof. So every Saturday, she makes jollof. Sunday, you have the leftovers jollof. Monday, you might possibly have the leftovers of jollof, day three. Right. So okay. I, Miss Beard, we went and um, I bought the mince and I bought the potato, mashed potato and I made shepherd's pie. As so I came home, <laughs> Look I at you. <laughs> <laughs> <Shepherd's> <laughs> pie. So the first, so I came home and I made it for my mum. And she was like, it's not spicy. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) It's not not spicy. So I had to modify the ingredients. So eventually I was a shepherd's pie maker every Sunday and I was putting scotch bonnet in. But it's good because it it actually gave me, it made me understand like culturally like cooking, like how to bring Mm. your own um, ethnic style right into yeah. western dishes. dishes yeah 100% so my yeah. shepherd's pie was always spicy my lasagna always had like chili in it like you know and you often so often with whatever we made in food tech i'd come home and i'd make a more spicier version so my mum could eat it because i felt like i wanted to marry the two cultures like i am in school yeah. and i'm in great britain i'm learning british dishes but i'm still yeah. african and i want my mum to enjoy it because she's not going to eat it, and i really want my mum to eat my food because i don't want to have rice and stew again so can we please make it? So yeah, yeah. I definitely yeah. We, it was I was like, oh, you not can have like pasta. You having like chi- like if we had like takeaway, it was Friday was takeaway night, and we would have yeah. like pizza or um you know we didn't have KFC. We weren't near the KFC. We were near the favorite fried chicken across the road. Um and that <laughs> with the bucket family bucket. Um yeah. a piece of chicken, four fries. Bottle drink, yeah, beans, coleslaw, ten pounds. Back in the day, you have you looked on Uber Eats how much a family like bucket is? That's like twenty quid. Forty two pounds. Excuse me. Oh wait, actually, forty two pounds is actually what? when I'm really. I mean, for KFC, like it's like a mega like family Whoa. meal, in it. I mean, it can last me for three days. I mean, let me just make a disclaimer. When I say last me, I'm not the only person that's eating it, you know. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Like, you know, sometimes I am partial to a KFC. I'm not going to lie. I've got this thing where sometimes I'm like, I want to eat chicken on the sofa, a little bit naked, wrapped up in a blanket. I, I said it. I want to I do it, right? But like, I, there's been times where I've been really hungover 
with D and I've been like, right, you know what? I'm starving. Let's just eat the world. And I've wow. got kids. And when I looked at it, I'm like, dude, you've literally just spent 42 pound on KFC. It's still That's in the fridge crazy. for like three days later. So yeah, but I understand. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Whoa. KFC, anyway, go on, continue. Inflation. <laughs> But it used to be like a tenner, maybe fifteen yeah. pounds. You could get quite a lot of yeah. stuff. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely always thought, and that's obviously you're younger. But I always thought, oh wow, they're like allowed to do a lot more stuff than I'm allowed to do. They're allowed to go out and they're allowed to eat different things for dinner. Not have dinner, say so you're not going to eat it. If we didn't eat it, we we're going to starve. But they'll just be like, I'm not mm. going to eat it, and they go out and buy chips. I was like, wow. But that was my area where I grew up in. It was a you know working class mixed ethnicities area yeah. and that's what I saw so disclaimer I'm not saying all white kids did that they didn't yeah yeah I think I had more chores to do so mm. going back on the back of what you were saying and the follow-up for what you were saying talking about you know I had more time they were out playing it out like all day like I couldn't go out until all my chores was were done mm. like when it came to Saturday like I was at home scrubbing the skating boards <laughs> like and I know my mum's gonna jump on here and be like why are you making me out to be some sort of like you know <laughs> like hard-nosed kind of like matron except but I'm not gonna lie Dolores Lindsay like agree you can jump on Instagram if you want to and join the conversation like <laughs> I was scrubbing skating boards and cleaning bathrooms when I was younger I didn't really see like my peers, mm. my white peers do that. I'm not saying that they, they haven't done that, like they didn't have chores, but I didn't really see that. They had a lot more time, mm. whereas I didn't. It was almost, you come in, you take off the school uniform, make sure you wash your clothes, make sure you polish your shoes, read your school book, do your chores, and perpet- get out things that, so I can cook dinner when I come home. That was it. Wow. Oh my God, I've just realised, I've just had a flashback. I've, I feel <laughs> like I've been in like, I feel, <laughs> I, I'm getting flashbacks of like me being like Oliver, like, is it like child, child slavery? Like, <laughs> but you know what? I didn't, I think that I didn't mind because obviously it was a single parent household. Yeah. So mum was managing two jobs. So any anyhow I could support or she used to set out the rules with my sister my sister never used to do anything like she used to go gallivant and go in jungle do you know what I mean mm. go to jungle raising my chat so I was left here like okay cool let me just kind of tidy up real quick yeah made a bit of a mess but yeah I think in comparison to my wife an Asian friend I didn't really see them do a lot of chores mm. and they did have more time to play out mm. so I agree. yeah but any white and Asian friends of ours please correct us if you also had to do chores <laughs> If you had to do chores and your Saturday weren't free, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Because <laughs> honestly, that's what I, I was seeing the same thing. Um, yeah. What about, so we're going to get into it. We've touched into it before, but dun, 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 Africa versus the Caribbean. Differences. Okay. <laughs> are you sure you want to you sure you, sure you want to do I this you know? we t- might start we might we might go viral do you know what i mean we might start some sort of war oh no which, i mean but you know what it's all love it but it's all the black experience anyway go it ahead is, go ahead just the differences between our communities and family units and the way that we sort of view things because i think i think we talked about this before but just saying that you know there was that kind of war between the yeah. two communities no matter where you were from yeah um and also that's to do with also like learn stuff that we learned from our parents who had come here and you know obviously now our sort of generation I think we're a little bit more clued up you know we intermarry with each other we <laughs> we have kids together you know we yeah. work together we're friends with each other so it's very different but when mm-hmm. we were teenagers and I wouldn't say much so much when I was in primary school but definitely as a teenager that's when I started to be like, uh, 
but we're mm-hmm. but we're all black, so I'm not yeah. really understanding why. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it'll be interesting to touch on. You know, mm-hmm. we're not starting a war, but I. No, I, know. I was only joking when I said but, that. You know, you never know. <laughs> but I would say that as an African, I definitely felt that. Um, I think it's more to do with media representation, but obviously yeah. we we're seen as the more but your bush, like a bit more backwards. I'm gonna say backwards, not backwards, but you're not as cool as someone who's from Jamaica. You're not as cool as someone who's from Barbados. Like you know, yeah. people. And I say black people, black Caribbean people in particular, for example, I think I look typically Ghanaian. I think I look Ghanaian anyway, but um, people would still say to me, oh, you don't look Ghanaian. Are you sure you're mm. from there? Are you from Barbados? Mm. Okay. I get Barbados a lot. I don't really know why. Okay. I'm going down the road. Yeah. Din, din, din. I'm going down the road. <laughs> Is that Bayesian? What? <laughs> What was that? That was my Bayesian accent. Oh, okay. I need to work on it. Anyway, I'm going down the road. road. That's more leaning into. I mean, Latoya, you might. I I understand what you're trying to do. I think what you need to appreciate, and again, any followers, (laughs) any people that are from like from Barbados, don't be offended if I'm going to do this accent. But Bayesians, they have they sing when they talk. When they talk, it's just like um, Latoya, pass my Bible. Latoya, pass my Bible. Is that going Irish? Bible. Bible. Il- well, I can't kind of. Bible. I mean, you know, we're gonna get dragged with this. No. Oh, going that <laughs> Anyway, let's <laughs> get back. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> anyway. Get back to let's get stay on track. Stay, stay on, on track, track. On track. Right. So anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> Anyway, so I would sometimes get people saying to me, are you from there or you don't look typically... I think I really do look typically African, to be honest with you. But it was as if to give me a compliment to shift me away from my African peers. Oh, you don't look like one of them. Are you one of us? And that's why I always used to be like, oh, no, but I'm from Ghana. But also it's just that thing of, I think there's a stereotypical way that I think people for Africans looked. But I just found that because of things like this, within uh, the community, it just felt very fractured as a teenager. I I do feel mm. like it felt quite fractured. I felt like I had to, yeah. to to choose a side and it was more easier for me. I mean, my friends were, are from different countries anyway. I don't have friends just from African countries or Caribbean. I have a mix. So I think that's me as an adult. But as a teenager, you're like, what do you do? Because actually I do have friends mm. who are from both camps, but it felt like it was divided. Mm. And then you're going home mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. Sorry, mum. She did say she didn't want me to marry a Jamaican. She told, she told me. Yeah. Because she said she had, because I think what it was is when she first came to this country, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing mum's experience here. She came to this country in the eighties and she, her first experiences when she, where we lived um, in Stockwell, um, there was a guy that had a shop there and he was really, really friendly, lovely guy. Always nice to be my sister, et cetera, but mm-hmm. his wife was not nice at all. She was really horrible. And she was, and it was very n- markedly different attitudes towards African customers and obviously customers from the Caribbean. And mum would spot that like, well, okay, why is she being rude to me? So I think because of those negative experiences she had, 
she was she I think it's more she just thought it's just easier if you just don't marry someone from Jamaica that's yeah. how she felt um yeah. but I do think that was because of the experiences that she had because she hadn't met a Jamaican before so where would you where, how would you come to the, with that assumption if you've had mm. negative experiences meeting them mm-hmm. then that's where you that's what you're feeding into your your kids I mm-hmm. suppose and yeah. and then you're just telling and then it's just like oh well your Jamaican friends they're not going to be doing as well as you are because it's simply because mm-hmm. they're Jamaican it's not just her saying mm-hmm. it. There's other people in my family saying stuff like that, which mm-hmm. makes no sense because I know of some African kids within my family who are dropouts. They they don't have any educational, nothing, nothing's going on. Yeah. So, but so what do we say there? That's is that we're going to mm. say Ghanaian kids fail school too because they do. Mm. So it's very. Mm. Oh, I don't. Know, I think I've rambled, but do you know what I mean. What 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 you you come through with your experience. You know what, I, I, do, I do think, you know, I agree with you. I think, you know, my nan always used to say to my mum and my auntie, it's like, you know what, you can marry a Caribbean, but do not come home with an African man. Mm. Don't do it. And I think it's based on their experience. I think potentially where it's come from is, you know, my nan had formed a bias towards uh, that to Africans because I think her experience when she came over was that Africans were the, you know, we were all supposed to be black in it together. And I think her experience was, you know, Africans had been more of, they were more alliance to white people. Wow, that's interesting. Um, And uh, yeah, a little bit. I think had more alliance to white people. They relied and saw white people as the saviors potentially. Mm. Um, And I feel that for her, she was just like, actually, I'm being treated very differently. Like, you know, we're supposed to sit together. Like, let me help you. But I think she was almost stabbed in the back a little bit when she came over from Jamaica Mm. a long Mm. time ago from Africans when she used to work in in, in, in a group of of, of workers for uh, I think it was Transport of London actually mm-hmm. uh, when she used to come over and she used to work so I think yeah she had experienced a little bit of dishonesty a bit of backstabbing mm-hmm. um, a bit of yeah with with Africa so I think that potentially had shaped her bias yeah. so she basically let it come through in her kids mm-hmm. and you know vice versa I think there was a there was a percentage at the time where I was just like mm, not really kind of feeling kind of African people mm-hmm. this is when I was young. Um, and now it's ridiculous isn't it because actually we're all from the same mm. place like you know irrespective of you know uh, of, of of what how how dark we are how light we are whatever mm. it is still the same experience so I think that's where potentially has come from I think it's like past experiences I do feel that there is it's in it's in, in inherent issue that has been formed or has that, uh, that was formed from slavery oh, days sure. as yeah. well because I do feel you have and I can't remember what the uh, I can't remember for uh, the life of me uh, one of the other profiles of 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 slave but you had the collaborators mm-hmm. which were black uh slaves that basically collaborated yeah. with the white man to entrap slave to take them over to Jamaica yeah. you had the resistors let's say nanny in the maroon who fought to actually and there's another profile that i can't for the life of me remember um but i think actually if we're taught if that has been the situation the reality Mm. all those centuries ago Mm -hmm. 
of course that's going to be ingrained into where we For are sure. now. Like, of course. So I, I do feel there's a it's, a, it's, it's deeply, it's from our history, yeah. it's ingrained. And for, but then actually it's about looking at the bigger picture and be like, you know what, the value of it is, can you blame the collaborator for wanting a little bit of an easy life? Mm. They didn't want to be shackled and fling yeah. on a boat. So of course, like anyone will do anything they need to do to support kind of yeah. themselves. And at the time, let's think about it. Like they weren't really thinking about, oh my God, that's, my people they're thinking about this is me mm-hmm. I need to protect myself mm-hmm. so of course so I think that that's kind of like I think that's where kind of like the issues or the the disconnects but it's so interesting that you said what, what you said about your nan's experience because that is like mirrors exactly s- very similar to what my mum says in that well what has said not anymore she's she's a changed woman but what she has said is uh, in the past is that she also felt that um she felt that Jamaicans had aligned themselves with English people. So you're talking about that similar kind of thing. Like they Mm. um, see themselves as the same. And so therefore better than Africans that because Mm. I guess Jamaicans have been here longer than Africans as in an established community because of Windrush. Mm. So I think they've been here a bit longer. I think um, Mm -hmm. I'm correct. Um, Because I know my mom came with a wave of Africans in the eighties. A lot came over. I'm not saying there weren't some before, but I know there's like a big wave. A lot of my well, millennials, millennial Africans, mm-hmm. first gen, they probably came during the 80s, 70s, 80s, they came over. So it's really interesting that like each community is viewing each other in a similar yeah. lens, through a similar lens, which mm-hmm. makes no sense because to a white person, they don't care. We're all black. They don't care. <laughs> They do not care. They do not care. The value of it is there is the argument that, you know, in Jamaican culture, yeah. I think, you know, in comparison to Jamaican culture, in comparison to Ghanaian yeah, culture, yeah. we're loud. We're in your face. Mm. From a Bayesian perspective, we say Bayesians, they sing when they talk. Yeah, yeah. They are still quite loud. Trinis, they're just a bit nuts still. Yeah. Like, tr- I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, like the Grenadian, the Grenadian people, a little bit rank, a bit yeah. feisty. Whereas in Ghanaians would be very different in comparison to Nigeria. Although I think there's similarities because I think Nigerian people are exactly the same as loud as you Jamaican know- people. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not even gonna lie. You know, because I think there's similarities within the The similarities. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because you know, you we got the yardies and you got the African yardies, (laughs) so you're really trying to be like, which one do you want to be? Because you can't be a yardie, right? You can't beat me. That's a number one. (laughs) Big up to my spice. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I think there's it's very interesting because there is so many similarities between us and actually two other uh to the white map we're still black the value of it is whether or not if i was a black jamaican woman and you were ghanaian uh ghanaian you are a ghanaian woman they're still going to look us with the same they're still going to pay us mm-hmm. with the same but we still have the same struggle we're still you're still going to be labeled as the aggressive black woman you still have to work twice as hard in comparison to your white female peers who align themselves to mm. white middle-class men because that's the default and actually they're forgetting their struggle as a woman in general yeah. like it there's still, still the same challenges isn't it for sure so it's quite interesting that i think i think it's positive that we are having those conversations actually us as this generation can have this conversation the generation we are mm. can have this conversation with experience actually we've heard things from our grandparents from our parents mm. and actually we potentially have had that view yeah. but now actually we're coming out the other end because i think that that really 
that's positive for my niece who's another generation the third generation or you know that's quite positive for her and my other nieces Mm -hmm. my other niece and nephew also um because that's yeah that's massive that's that's quite important because I think actually they won't will try they'll probably try to break down those divisions for sure if I'm honest so yeah no I think that's true I think we I think it's like you're coming out of the disillusion of yeah. what it means to be Jamaican, what it means to be Ghanaian. I feel like I've, I've come out of the other side. There are positives to my culture that I absolutely love. I think we're going to talk about in, that in a second, but I, there's so many positives. But at the, in the same breath, I can really sit here and I can really tell you the negatives about it because you're trapped within the, the structure of what your community is. And sometimes that structure does not allow for any flexibility, even if you live in another country. And and 100%. that in itself is a problem because it means 100%. that when you come up against another black culture, another black uh, community, it's like, well, they're doing it wrong because they're not doing yeah. it like us, which makes no sense because like you're saying, the history of, of blackness as a whole is so complicated. And so of, of course, someone from um, a Caribbean country might look at someone from African country and be like, well, you think you're better than me. You sold, you sold slaves. I mean, I've heard that you sold slaves. It's true. Africans, let's let's put our hands up right now. A hundred percent. Not everybody descended from a king or queen. Some people descended from slave traders. Some people descended from slaves within Africa. And we Mm. have to, I have to look into my history because it could be very well that my ancestors could have sold slaves. That's very, very true. So we have Mm -hmm. to be honest about that. But then, you know, if you get even more complex, like someone from America, for example, their black history is very different again. It's so different. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it's hard because... Um, I don't know if this is going to make sense. I hope it does make yeah. sense. It might throw a spanner, but a spanner in the works. But like, you know what? Everyone wants to tell me, say, oh, okay, you're looking at another black person, how they do things. And I get it. Sometimes I'm guilty of doing that sure. as well. And actually you're judging them based on like, you know, their blackness and what they're doing and the, their, 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 their history about being black. And I appreciate that every different culture has different histories of blackness. But in, in, in the harsh reality... Mm-hmm. Do we really mm. know what our black history was supposed to be? Yeah. Because actually the contract, the systems have been put in place yeah. for centuries before. So in an ideal world, let's pe- let's face it, Christianity ain't our religion. Mm. It's not. It's, true. it's not. It's true. It's not. So, you know, all the different religions, that's not our natural religion. Mm. So again, like, you know, and whilst yeah, I know we kind of touched upon it in previous episodes mm. that religion has positives but equally negative, but the whole aspect, the contracts, the history, we've been taught, we don't even know what our history is because all we've been taught is white history. Mm. It's true. So I, I would encourage, and I think you've said that, and again, I've actually had to encourage myself and hold myself mm. to account, actually, what learning, what reading are you mm-hmm. doing in terms of, you know, where you've come from and what that means about family and the, the, the power of, um, of, 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 of a black man. There's a book that I was reading, Iana Von Zandt. Yeah, Von Zandt. Yeah. Von yeah. Zandt. Um, the Spirit of a Man. For any of my black brothers who are listening on this, it's a very good book i haven't finished mm. it but it is powerful mm. um i'll definitely encourage you to do that i will put it in the comments <laughs> um but i definitely encourage people we need to educate ourselves in terms of what the history was mm. like in order for us to then be a little bit more well-rounded and and deep 
and, and that's not determined to say that we're going to forget about the other history that we've been mm-hmm. taught or forget about how to operate in a Western society. But I think it's quite important because I think that stops us from judging others yes. and supporting ourselves as a community. Yeah, for sure. And I do feel that there is something that we are not there as yet. I think there is still like, and again, I know you mentioned upon it and I might be going off a bit of a tangent. I apologize. Right. I'm very aware of time. Um, but I know you mentioned in the beginning around actually when we're talking about between our white pairs and Asian peers, mm. but I do feel our Asian peers, whether that is South Asian or East Asian, even the Jewish community, they are together. Mm. There is, there, there is, you know what? I want to use, I think the word is, I've heard this word before, collar, which means like glue, mm. like stick, right? They are together. Do I feel that the Caribbean community are together with the African community or the African community, you know, Nigerians are together with Ghanaian, Jamaicans are together with, with Beijing. Yeah. Not so much. Like I do feel sometimes what we need to do is consider, yeah, look at our history. This is, everyone's gone the same playing field. Our history was stripped away from us. So actually, if we know that, let's educate ourselves about what our history was, appreciate the history that's happened, where we are as a community, and actually let's work together to rebuild back up what our future is going to look like. I think that's something that we need to focus on. I agree. I think so. Boy, sorry. <laughs> we'll probably go into that even more. Like we've got so much to come in this series, so I, know. I think we'll probably be going a little bit deeper into history um, at some point. But I think we've been a little bit not negative, but I guess we've focused a little bit on negative. But what are? The, I mean, there are some great things about being in a black family, isn't there? Like there, there of is. Course. There's so many. Of course, I love being black. I say it every single day, but I really love being black. Um, but it's just. For me, what I love about being in a black family is, um, oh, that's just because I think because we live in a, a we are an ethnic minority in this country. Your black family is your it's your bubble, it's your safety net, it's your it's your safe place to be black. Let me put it like that. Whatever blackness is within your household, it's your safe space to be black. I hope some people can't still really be the black they want to be, but um, you know, it's that's for me. That was my experience. You know, also. Um, like listening to like stories about my mom's upbringing, um, you know, the history of my family, um, yeah. you know, also like the resilience that my mom has is like, 100%. I really like, I have it, but I, I'm weary. I'm weary, but she's, she's, she's got a lot of it and she's, it's very much, I definitely think it's definitely passed down onto us as children um because she was an immigrant i think that that in turn has really upped our work ethic because she did not have the same opportunities back home and she she took a a big gamble i think coming here um and has often sacrificed for us to be able to to do well and for us to be able to um be where we are today and I'm still always growing to where I want to be but in terms of me even being the first person the first grandchild you know to go to university and finish it you know for my mum to be able to put us put me through university I say put me through even though we had student loan but she did I was was still living in her house so put me through university um that was a big thing for her as an immigrant that's what you want to you want to see your child put on a cap and gown and walk across the stage Oh yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what? Second thing you're saying, I think definitely the whole aspect. What I do love about you are right. Like when you're together with your black family, you're allowed to be whoever yeah. you want to be in terms of your blackness. I think the whole aspect of resilience. I think strength. I think um, dynamic. Mm. D- 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 you know, um, I feel. Uh, just the whole, like, energy, vibrant, yeah. uh, the laughter, the banter, the, um, the, the, sometimes just the, 
just the all round jokes. And it's just like, you're like, okay, cool. And actually, you're not, it's all right to have sparring matches yeah. with your family as well. I think a little bit of the rough and tumble, play fights, 100%. <laughs> like me and my uncle used to play fight all the time. So, uh, listen, uncle just brought me up not even lie. Every single time, no hello, just one tump right in the arm. And I'll be like, okay, that's it. You know, a bit of tough and rough and tumble a little bit. A bit of like, you know what, there's no such word as can't. This is what yeah. you can do, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's, it is like, they are so, and it, it is lovely. And what I also like, about actually being part of a black family is that whole aspect of kind of like respect Mm -hmm. as well and respect for your elders and respect so for example you know if I like I refer to you lot's mums as my mum yeah I, I never call you know, I would never call your mums by their, oh, their never. name. So it's like, what's going on, mum? How are you? Da, 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 da. You're right, mum. Even if I'm in Kendall Green and I see, you know, an elderly lady, she's trying to get downstairs. I'm mum, do you want some help, mm. etc. I think that is an ingrained thing. And I think that's lovely. Yeah. And I'm, that's not to say I'm going to say that that is not a, I don't really experience that within for my white peers. Mm. I'm not saying that. However, I do feel it's more of an ingrained black thing. Yeah. And again, I think it comes from, you know, we had to, it, back in the day, people had to chip in. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, if my nan was working and my auntie, my great auntie was not, my auntie had to bring up them kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, her, her, my, you know, if both my auntie and my nan, if both my great auntie and my nan was working and the next one neighbour wasn't, there's no blood relative, mm-hmm. but actually mum, auntie, thank you for this, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So I think that there's definitely like some massive positives oh, yeah. that goes with it. Um, sure. And I wouldn't change it for no. the world. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't change it for the Never. world. Uh, it's been hard. I'm not going to lie. It's been tough. I mean, let's go to the challenges then. Tough, boy. <laughs> yeah. The challenges. So what do you think the challenges are then? Oh, for my personal experience, um, the the what is the word I'm looking for? The expectation, yeah, has I think is greater for as for women in African culture, definitely. In terms of you know, you're constantly told, "Don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, finish school, don't get pregnant, finish school," and it's like when you when you're getting your grades, what is a B? I want to see A's, like things like that. That kind of the expectation was so high for me as the eldest child. And I don't think mum was like terrible, but I think what was happening was she was having comparison Olympics with her peers who, again, they've got their children who are, you know, it's, it's, it's an immigrant race, isn't it? Whose child is going to be the smartest child? And, you know, mum was already kind of starting, I guess a little bit on the back foot because again, she had to remarry and all these things. So Mm. still she was our main primary caregiver and we've got to, I've got to show up for her because she's, she's Mm -hmm. gone through so much. So I've got to Mm -hmm. make sure that academically I am achieving. And I think that that put a lot of um, stress on me as a, as a school girl, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm. Um, I mean, my grades speak for themselves. I mean, Level eight, year nine sats. I'm going to put it out there. Okay. okay. Um, shout out to Mr. Caldwell. Well, I did it myself, but, you know, I'm just saying he was my English teacher. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, my GCSEs were good. My A-levels were good. Uni was good. I've, I've always been academic, but I think the reason why is because the expectation is so high as the first child. And even though now I can take my foot off the gas, technically I don't because... It's been 
ingrained in me from such a young age that I had to achieve. I had to achieve mm-hmm. because if I didn't have anything academically, I would have nothing basically. And I, and, and in some ways I sort of see what my mom was saying because her point of view is because she'd gone through, I guess, a disrespect with my dad. Her point of view yeah. was like, listen, if you've got your books together, you've got your education together, you've got everything together, don't get pregnant at a young age, get through everything. There's nothing no man can tell you because you have it all together. So I felt like that is what she was telling me. Or that is what she was telling me, to be honest. Not that I, what I felt she was um, telling me to do it. And I think sometimes that um, that often led to kind of like I want to I want to say conditional love, but it's not. I know my mum does love me, but I felt like I had to do well in order to stay in her good graces. Do you know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. that was quite a lot to take on at a young age. Now, she don't care. She don't do what you want, live your life, whatever. But I think she just wanted mm-hmm. to get over that hurdle because she'd given up so much. Mm-hmm. But that took a toll. And that was hard. It was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Hard. I, th- I think, second that, in terms of the expectations, I think quite similar, uh, similar in, to my experience. I feel that the expectations were always... Uh, high and I feel just due to the fact that mum had to do two jobs um, and she didn't really have the capacity if I'm honest to sit down and 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 go through uh, you know why I was not achieving certain grades and I would be open and honest I think academia doesn't really come natural to me I have to sit down Mm -hmm. and literally study like my GCSEs I was one of two black boys that got 10 GCSEs they started to see I was quite mm. decent like, you know what I mean I wasn't I could have done a bit better I'm not gonna lie French failed that <laughs> well, I didn't actually got any e. I got an E there was other subjects where I really struggled sure. in like, I think I was predicted for like C's and D's mm. uh, growing up and then actually when I got my A levels yeah I got A's B's C's mm. um I mean religious education I got A star I was just like I don't know where the hell that came from because I was scheduled predicted to be getting Love an to E see it. um but, you know, I was quite, it was, I, I really struggled mm. to achieve the expectation. And I think sometimes when my school reports came, it was almost like, you know what, you has got great potential, but he gets really distracted mm. and, you know, he's not applying himself. Except, and I do, I'm not going to lie, I definitely had a quite a short attention span in secondary school and then primary school as well. And I think that instead of trying to understand, okay, why or if I have, and I haven't been diagnosed as being dyslexic, I believe I might be a little bit dyslexic. I'm not mm. even going to lie. Um but if it does come out that I was kind of dyslexic, I didn't really get, mum didn't really have the time to sit down and be like, okay, let's look at what you're struggling mm. with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let's give you that support. It was more of go to teach parents, parents day. Okay. You you need to apply yourself, having the conversation. That's it. I wasn't really given the tools to understand how to do mm. it. So I do feel, I'm then trying to hit that expectation. I was like, shit, if you don't hit that expectation, it's going to be a madness. Da, 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 da. That, that was, that, that, that was a mm. lot. Um, and it would have been nice if she could have, if she had the capacity to sit down, talk about you know what what things are you struggling with from an academic perspective Mm. or what do you want to be like when you grow up it's fine you don't necessarily need to be a doctor Mm. a scientist a Mm. teacher you can be whatever you want I think mum definitely went on her journey in terms of the creative arts which is actually an area that I really excelled in at like primary school secondary school at uni I'd studied it as well and I think it's only when she came to when she realized I was going to university to study drama physical dance theater and she came to some of my shows where I think 
I saw in the audience where she clicked and she was just like, now I understand. Like, I think seeing her face when I've done the performances and stuff like that, she was so proud. Uh, she was just like, oh my God, it was incredible. I think starting the own theatre company, shout out to Ame. <laughs> um, starting the own theatre company and doing shows and stuff like that. I think she was just like, now I understand the reasons why he uh, was more focused on dance. The reasons why he was winding up his ways, bracket up the throne boards <laughs> um, when I was younger. So I think it would have been nice to for her to get there a bit quicker mm. in comparison to when I had gone through secondary school, college and was doing performances in uni. Because actually, I think that was supported me a little bit more on my journey. Now, that's not to take away from the fact that she hasn't been supportive, but I'm just saying, I think by her not having the capacity to do so, she's trying to hold down a roof. She's a single yeah. parent working two jobs with two kids. One got bipolar. She's looking after the, 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 uh, uh, she's looking after other, other, um, her grandkids as well. It was very difficult. And I don't think I got, I don't think there was much consideration or, mm. um, uh, lack of understanding or empathy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I should mm-hmm. say, in comparison to, my white peers. Yes. That's what I. Th- that's where I feel there is again going back into the differences, mm. unfortunately, and some of the challenges that you face um, being in a in a black uh, family. I would also also oh, go. On. I was going to interrupt you. And I think as well, like got on the back of, and that's one facet of it. But I, and I understand. And the other facet is, I think I was just happy that I didn't fall into the wrong crowd. And you know yeah. what, I was out there selling drugs and running these streets. Mm. However. It's a never-ending vicious cycle because, you know, if we as a population are born into inequality and not the same experiences Mm. as others and we live in the poorest areas and we and academia doesn't come so natural to a large proportion of our female and male community members or young males and females and the parents have to work two jobs to make ends meet to make sure that the roof is over the house and he ain't got damp of course they're going to turn to easy money of course they're going to turn to uh, we're not saying of course they're going to turn but of course it's more exciting yeah, sure. isn't it like it's almost like let me drop out of school I don't want to do that let me just yeah. go and go to work or you know what I don't really want to wake up and go and do x y and z I just want to make quick money because I need to support my mum did it or support my pe- my dad because that's not shout out to single parents single dads out there mm-hmm. as well like it, of course they're going to fall into you know it's going to be more um desirable yeah. I would say um so we just need to support um I think, yeah, just black families and just mm-hmm. like allow like anything that we can do. And I know obviously the whole kind of like, uh, you know, the youth club budgets have oh, been cut, yeah. Tory government. But I do feel, yeah, we need to think about how do we start to support some of the young members, uh, the young uh, members of our community mm-hmm. um, and those who belong to a single parent family in actually like education mm-hmm. and supporting of how they need to do that because it's hard. And I think it's never, it's going to be a never ending. It won't change, cycle. yeah. So, and what's interesting is I even see I'm doing the exact same with 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 my godson. Mm. I'm doing the exact same. Like Eddie, I'm like Eddie. I was like, come on now, what we're we doing? Let's do yeah. some reading. He doesn't want to read. I'm like, no, sit down there. Let's do some reading. And I think I have to make a conscious mm-hmm. effort sometimes mm. to not. Oh my god, you don't want to do reading, but actually sit there and be in this space and be like, read to me the yeah. story via Facetime right now. So yeah, I agree. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I was just gonna put in there. Um, I was gonna say about just I forgot to mention about and it might be the same in your household but about the use and we're going to talk about it in different 
episode, but the use yeah. of religion to nullify mental health. Do you say nullify? I the correct word. Nullify. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, if you're having a shit day, pray it away. That was often something that used to frustrate me so much in an African household that you couldn't be upset. You couldn't be sad. You couldn't be, there's, there's, what are you crying for? Just pray and it will sort itself out. But I'm like, but I am praying, mum, and it's not changing. Like, I still feel this way. I still feel sad. I still feel upset. And that's, you know, again, mm. my mum is a Christian woman. I mean, she's not too crazy with it, but, you know, she goes to church when she can, etc. But I think it's one thing in our community as well that we also need to address is how we balance our religious views and how we, because everyone has their route to God, everyone has, or no route to God, whatever you choose, but how we balance that and how we raise our children. Because what I often find is sometimes people are using religion to raise their children without understanding that sometimes religious ideas are outdated so if you are not looking at how religion, because religion itself, and I'm just saying all of them, organized religion has to move over the times because things are changing. Mm. And I think that sometimes parents are so into their religious thought process that there's no way anything that you're doing can fall outside of that. And there's no reason why it should, because this is the path, this is the way, this is the road to heaven. Anything else you're doing, you're going to burn in hell. There's absolutely no need for you to get a tattoo. You're going to burn in hell. No need for you to get a second piercing. You're going to burn in hell. All of these things are thrown at, I think, I think it's changing a little bit now because the religious, la- religious landscape has changed in the UK a lot. Mm. But I think growing up, I definitely felt the presence of religion over my life in, in such a way mm. that actually pushed me the other way. Because I was like, this is too much. This is too much. Like, if I want to find my way, I'll find my own way. But it just seemed to be the answer to everything. And when I was having depression and stuff, well, actually, it's not helping me feel better. I still feel, I need to see a professional. (laughs) Because I need to see a professional. There's no point us praying at home to solve my mental health problems if I still feel terrible. You know, it's not going to help. And I think that that's another issue sometimes we need to talk about in the black community that we we sometimes pray our problems away within families instead of actually facing it. You know, we don't face our front basically. Yeah, no. Yeah, I get that. I don't think I can even add to anything that you're saying, you know, add any more Mm. to what you were saying. I think it's a really powerful, uh, you know, observation Mm. and topic uh, to discuss. And I think that's a quite a juicy one to obviously unpick in later episodes. Um, But I do feel, I think with my experience, mum's never been really forcey forcey in terms of religion like she's always been okay cool we're going to church I think I stopped going to church like on a regular basis when I was about 14 Mm. I think when I started going out (laughs) uh, and so I'm staying over at someone else's house I'm staying over at Ian's house staying over at whatever I'm going out out. you're not going to see me till Sunday (laughs) Uh, so I think yeah I wasn't that she didn't force me to 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 you know, pray away my problems. Um, I feel that she didn't know how to ask the questions mm-hmm. because she doesn't, mum doesn't really like being awkward. Sure. 
and I and again, I don't feel that she was equipped mm. at that stage to be able to ask me, "Is everything okay?" Like, yeah, I'm fine. No, no, no. How are you? Mm. Like, because this is what I'm seeing. You're acting a bit weird. You've got your moods up and down. You've slept all day. Yeah. You're not necessarily a bubbly. So, so therefore, I could have had the conversation. She would never have that conversation. It's almost like, are you okay? Yeah. It's very, it was yeah. very much on a, uh, a surface mm-hmm. level. Um, whereas then I think now, obviously, with the rise of mental health and mental wealth being so important and, you know, it's the norm that, you know, everybody has some sort of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Seeing a head doctor, which was used to be the term back in the day, listen, we're not listening to head doctor, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, seeing a head doctor wasn't necessarily uh, welcomed and mm. uh, celebrated in the Jamaican culture. I think now time, things have moved mm. on. Um, I think she can have that conversation now. Mm. But again, I just think that's almost like, yeah, some families find it a little bit, still find awkward. it quite awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, comfortable. Still find it a bit awkward. Um, we've got a long way to go with that, I think, as a community. But I mean, I think 100%. everyone, religious leaders, people who are Christian, Muslim, whatever. Yeah. I think we all just need to work together because I think that they, they can they can work in tandem together. It doesn't need to be mm-hmm. one route, but we have to respect yeah. people's decisions if they don't want to go down that way within a family that we don't, mm-hmm. you know, hear hor- like horribly, like in, you know, in some, in Ghana, for example, in some villages, you know, they're going to call the doctor and do an exorcism on you because, you know, yeah, so 100%. that's, we got to move forward because it's not, it's yeah. not, it's not helping. I would say, as observation, I don't think it's helping young black people come back to Christianity. That's my that's my opinion. I think if you want more people to be evangelized and want them to to find the, the message of God, I think you have to you have to change what the the tactics or no, tactics is not right. You need to change what the messages you're delivering to those it's people, yeah, so that they can feel this love and warmth and and hope and pray you're talking about rather than feeling that yeah. like they've been berated and actually being told that they yeah. they're gonna you know they sh- something's, something's wrong, wrong with them they're gonna yeah. burn in hell that that's got to be yeah. a change um yeah but we're you know we're we're, we're we're going off on the tangent so we're just gonna come to our kind of like kind of key final points Ooh. and stuff but we just went to talk yeah, about um, the qualities what if you were doing your perfect that your perfect black dad. Yeah, you already mm-hmm. got a perfect black mum. So we don't see, <laughs> I'm going to say perfect black mum, but you can add you can add yeah. extra details. But yeah. if you yeah. were doing the perfect black, or you know what? Let me rephrase this for our community, right? Because our community, mm-hmm. we need a, we still got a lot of, a long way to go in terms of pulling our family units back together. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the maybe let's say three key things? that you think um, a black dad, or maybe you could be for a new dad or whatever, you, what do you think is important that they they bring to the family unit um, and that they need to demonstrate to their family, to their children, so that the, the mm. family unit can remain strong, so those young people can grow up empowered and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, good humans? Okay, three. three. This is yeah. tough. This is tough. Uh, the first one, vulnerability. Okay. The second one, uh empathy yep and the third one conducive challenge oh can we expand on part three <laughs> okay cool oh hello <laughs> interview uh conducive challenge so i feel that 
don't challenge just for challenge's sake. Mm-hmm. Don't challenge just because actually it doesn't feed into what your view of what you want your child to do. I think you need to have conducive challenge in terms of try to challenge them and be like, okay, so why have you come to this conclusion? What has forced you to do that? How does that link into your overall your overall goals? I'm failing to understand if you really consider like the, the extremity or the intensity of by you doing this action, this is what it's going to have. Mm-hmm. You are your own person. You need to do it, but this is what I'm here to do. And actually you allow the individual to then make the decision themselves. I think that's the difference between conducive challenge and challenge. Mm-hmm. Cause I think sometimes my parents or my mum would challenge me just for like, Oh, why are you doing it? Because it didn't fit into what she wanted to mm-hmm. do. Whereas in the conducive challenge would be you're going out, but you know that you have uni tomorrow. You know that you, you know that you've got, college tomorrow is that the wise decision mm-hmm. because if you're going to be drinking you're going to be hung over and you already know that you don't necessarily academia doesn't come early, quick, doesn't come natural mm-hmm. to you so you need to make the right decision for yourself allow them to make the decision for themselves i think if you challenge people for a conducive way it comes across as though you're not nagging mm-hmm. so i think that's those are the, the, the top three i would say vulnerability empathy and could you love challenge. it i don't you? think i even have much to add to that I think I, I, that's quite good. Yeah. Um, I think I don't have much to add. I think expanding on vulnerability. Yeah, I definitely think like the, the, the male, the picture of black masculinity has to change and it has to change with um, our new dads because our old dads ain't going to change it. But I think our new dads coming up, we must change the picture of black masculinity because having worked in schools, and having seen how uh, young black boys are operating, I wouldn't say there's a vast much difference to back in the day when we were in school, which is a problem. Because actually, as much as there are black success stories with black uh, men, obviously in our age group, there are also problems, you know, with people who are reoffending, who go, who are in gangs, who are committing petty crimes, not through their own volition sometimes sometimes it's the only choice you have like you said earlier it might be that's the only way you're going to get some food on the table it's the only way you're going to survive so you you must commit crime so i'm not talking about that but i think we i'm gonna try to phrase this in a good way without like no one coming for me but i think there's a toxic male picture out there which has to change in that we have two things we have absent dads, which is a pic- which is a thing thrown at us all the time. Our black dads don't stay within our families. They go off, they leave their kids. Then we have this thing of black men sowing their seeds everywhere and feeling the need to be overly sexual and having kids with lots of women. That's a second problem that we've got going on. So the, and the two work in tandem because obviously if you've got kids with multiple women, you're probably not in those women's lives. So that's an issue. Yeah. And... I think we have to look at how it's okay to be soft as a male, vulnerable, like you said. It's okay to have empathy. It's also okay to know when it's wrong. It's okay to know that you should stop what you're doing because it's wrong. And I think sometimes men, it's not just black men, I think sometimes men will keep going. They're going to keep going because society tells us that is the structure of what it is to be a man. And I think the issue with in our black communities we don't have the privilege to be able to um say that was a silly mistake our schoolboy error we don't have that when we fuck up Mm. 
we are labelled as a community. The dads are labelled mm-hmm. as useless. They don't look after their kids. They're just absent dads. Yeah, baby yeah. mother. Look yeah. at Boris Johnson out here with 15 look kids. About, I, I was going to say the same thing about Boris Johnson. Kids. Look at Boris Johnson. Irrespective of the Prime Minister, yeah. he got six kids, allegedly. Right. That's on Wikipedia. We know we don't have six kids. Boss. Stop it. Stop right? it. As my uncle will say, claimed and unclaimed. That's what he likes to come out with. Which kids you claim and which ones you not. So... He has, because he is a white man, he's also the prime minister, but he can get away with that. I think someone else I'm trying to think of, of equal, Trevor McDonald. If Trevor McDonald was walking around with 15 kids with different mums all around, you think he'd still be a news anchor? Oh, absolutely not. We don't have it. Absolutely So not. we have to, within ourselves, educate ourselves as a community that... Listen, if we were back in Africa, I'm going to say Africa, you got a whole village to help raise your kids. All the women will muck in, everyone will help. Right now, we're all locked up in our full brick walls, you know. Yeah. Universal credit's not going to help anyone get by. Absolutely. So you have to really use a bit of common sense here to think, is it necessary for me to not put a condom on and have all these kids? That's, you know, yeah. so I think like things, and I, I know not all black men are doing that. I'm not talking about the ones who are making an effort. I'm saying that if you know your friend is doing that, and I'm talking about in our age group, if you know that that's happening, you've got to have the conversation because their kids don't have the luxury of being mm-hmm. little Billy in class and not getting called out and being told they can't focus. Mm-hmm. It's got potential. It's got potential. They can't yeah. focus or, you know what, I think... It's got a bit of behaviour issues just because he's yeah. hyperactive. Hyper, hyper is everything okay at home? Mm. You know? I hate that. Is everything okay at home? Mm. They won't be diagnosed with dyslexia. They won't be diagnosed with dyspraxia. Mm. They won't be diagnosed with any SEN issues. They will just be told they're trouble. And that's someone who's been in the education mm. system. I'm going to tell you that straight up. So unless mm. you do your do the work, your, your child is going to be another one in the system who has to fight 10 times harder. We don't need to be doing that no more. Your kids don't need to be fighting 10 yeah. harder anymore. So I think, like, we have to dismantle what it is to be mum and dad in our own yeah. community. And I haven't gotten on mums because I do think black mums really do a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I think they could be a bit softer sometimes. But I think a black mums, we, we, I'm including myself, we, we're doing a lot. Um, always room for improvement, though. <laughs> yeah i think always improvement i'm not going to go into it i still think there's room for improvement but i get it i think yeah you know black mums uh do a lot and i think actually for considering the the, the black female experience in yeah. general and how people view you and the narrative that you have i do think that it's very it's unfair and it's unbalanced yeah. so i do feel that you know you that, that, that they do a lot but i do agree with you i think there's everybody every single uh community member yeah. there's growth within those particular areas whether you're male female yeah. trans gay straight um mother dad whatever there's so much For that sure. you need to do so i think it's just about us considering how we do that and i think the more conversations we have then obviously the better but sorry yeah. for going in on black dads i love y'all but you know i'm just saying I was in a beat up. I think it was, you know, yeah. it was it the men was, are the pillar of balanced. our community. Do you know what I mean? The the dads are the community. Yeah. The dads, dads and non dads, uncles, everyone, you granddads, you are the pillar of our community. That's what society tells us. Yeah. You know? So you, if if the pillar is not strong, the whole community crumbles. That's how I see it. So um, yeah, soz. <laughs> we got you. 
You you we got you, you got us. <laughs> yeah. Let's make it, let's, let's move to improve. This is for what we sure, do. It's all good. Sure. So, <laughs> that takes us to another ending of another episode wow it's a long one so i hope you had your cup of tea ready maybe you had to listen to this in in sections um as usual (laughs) if you've got any feedback please send over we we do love hearing from people and getting your feedback even if you don't agree it's really helpful for us yeah no for sure really helpful for us start to debate have the conversation it's just yeah inclusive podcast that's what it is podcasting. (laughs) um but yes wishing you a wonderful day and week wherever you are and thank you for listening to another episode of snatched see ya take care bye